All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Knife Journal Podcast. This is episode 121. I'm Kyle Versteg, and I'm here with my co-host, James Noka. Lots to talk howdy. to you about today. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Yeah, so what's new I've got with a, you? Um, I've got a uh, um, little bit hoarse today. I, I've been, I've been uh, taking out some trees out of the backyard that have uh, uh, are on, in the process of dying. And one of them was uh, my last surviving ash tree that I that I've seen around here, and uh, that was a, a pretty good sized tree. And we've been burning tops, so I've been kind of inhaling a little bit of too much smoke, and mm. uh, for the past couple of days. But and I, I think it's made me a little bit hoarse. Either that, or it's been me yelling. Um, Let's go, Brandon. Very loud. <laughs> that 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 could have been the other thing too that that is going on. But um, I don't know. Besides that, you know, it's everybody's healthy. It's been a, a a pretty mild fall so far. Usually, I think last year we had two inches of snow by the fifteenth of October, and this year uh, uh, we're still we're still in pretty good shape. We've got. Uh, um, Still got leaves on the trees. Yeah, because um, it's so warm up there, the um, the fall colors are late. Yep, yep, seems like it. Somebody at work yeah. was complaining that the tunnel of trees two weeks ago was like garbage tier. <laughs> yeah. Yep, well, you know what? They shouldn't have came up here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Why don't you stay downstate? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, that, I mean, it is kind of you. funny. Yeah, it's kind of funny. We don't really want. No, I, I shouldn't say that. A lot of a lot of businesses up here rely on that. Um, a couple of restaurants in 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 um, Cross Village, uh, they they need that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, little I mean, last infusion of of cash before winter. Yeah, because it all dries up up there. But believe me, we don't want some. We don't like it when somebody comes up here and then whines about whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, just keep your whining downstate since it's so yeah. great down there. Yep, exactly. That's exactly what I feel. <laughs> so I got my, I got my central. You see this? Oh, so yeah, central perk cup. Isn't that where <laughs> that one lady was in there with like no pants or underwear, just like a t-shirt? Yeah. Yeah. She it, that was actually the place that was on uh, Friends. Oh, okay. Remember that TV show Friends? Uh, yeah, I didn't ever watch it. My wife did. No, but that's but that's what that that's what that Central Perk is from. But I think they have uh, they do have a um, uh, I, I mean it's a legit place. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. So, but besides that, uh, let's see what else is going on. I've been uh, cutting firewood. Having fun with that. Um, took out my uh, um, was ye- yesterday last night actually last evening I was playing with my um, I think it's called it's pronounced oxen cop. Oh yeah, oxen cop yeah, axe. axe. Yeah, 
Yeah, I was I was uh, trimming. Uh, if any of you have ever been around black cherry, the the branches of a black cherry are like spider webs. They're just like a tangle, like tangle foot. Mm-hmm. And when you cut them down, and you try to pull the limbs off of the, you know, you try to get the limbs separate from the logs, um, everything tangles up into its. I mean, it's just it's nasty. Mm-hmm. And so I spent the evening limbing uh, a lot of that, a lot of that upper, those upper branches that are so tangly. Um, and I was using that, using that axe. It's sure, you know, it's like razor sharp, so it just slices through everything. Yeah. But it's like the worst. That's like the worst. I think branches to deal with because they have like must have little hooks on them or something, and they just grab onto each other. So you'd be pulling one limb, and pretty soon you're like pulling like half the treetop yeah and it's it's kind of rough because you know you don't expect it and you're using more muscles than you figured you're gonna it's just eh. a big mess yep it's a big mess so i had a fire going until uh i don't know must have been about 10 o'clock last night and i was having a hard time stay awake because you know i get up early in the morning and i don't want to say that i'm old but I do. I do have a lot of those habits where you get up real early in the morning and you go to bed early at night. Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> it makes for a makes for some people will say it makes for a boring life, but you know, I wake up in the morning and I don't have hangovers. I don't have, and I and I remember people. I don't, I remember my dad one time telling me when he was younger. He said, "You know what?" He said, "I thought everybody woke up in the morning with a head like that." With a hangover, mm. <laughs> and I started laughing. I was like, "No, I don't. I don't think that was, uh, you know, because he, when he was younger, I guess he used to put him away pretty good." Yeah, but he said, "I thought Saturday mornings everybody woke up like that." Mi- Michigan <laughs> has a big drinking culture, m- yeah. much more than just about anywhere else I've lived. It's yeah. massive here, um, and it's easy well, to think- get yourself in trouble doing that. But hasn't the did isn't this where the the microbrewery started? No, I mean I mean the second the second wave the second of, wave it, I'd say Michigan had a big part of that. that. Yeah, I mean I suppose it started with the Sierra Nevada um, Pale Ale or no what was it some wheat beer. This was back in the late nineties. There was a but then it really really took off when. You know, like every town in Michigan, no matter how small it is, has its own brewery. It's like right. Germany. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. You know. It's exactly like Germany, and and some some small towns have multiple. Yeah. Breweries. Like even even where I live here, and um, I live out in the fucking sticks, and the the town is maybe has one stoplight, if that, and there's mm-hmm. a brewery there. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like it's crazy. How uh, how many of them so, there are? So your new your new neighborhood has one of the coolest car museums ever. Yeah, I know. I've, I've driven you, by it a couple times. They also have a if cool you get, airplane museum. Yeah, if you get a chance, you need to go there. It's very awesome. Yeah, I was gonna wait till I have company and then go. So so is the uh, did you drive by the buffaloes when you were there? When you went by Gilmore's, did you did you see? Was there still a big giant fence with buffaloes? I used to live down there. Gilmore's, I haven't. Know. I don't think I've driven past Gilmore's. Well, Gilmore's is the auto museum. Oh yeah, so Gilmore's. And I then, didn't and see then, any buffaloes. 
right in that neighborhood there was a there's a was a big buffalo farm. I don't know if it's still there or not, but yeah, buffalo it, are hard to raise because um, if they get spooked and they decide they're going to run, there's no fence that's going to keep them from running. You got that right. So you got to keep them. You got to keep them content. Yeah, and it's hard yep. to do unless you're clear out in the middle of nowhere in Montana or Wyoming. But there's a herd in Traverse City yep. that seems to Olson's. do okay, and I've never heard of them escaping. Olson's food, and yeah. I, I often wonder. I often wonder if. Uh, um, if raising them domesticated makes a difference as opposed it, to being raised wild. To. Yeah, it has I w- to I have would some think. difference. But I've heard that even domesticated ones, like if you get them riled, like there's no way to stop them. They'll run a hundred well, hu- miles. They're huge. Yeah. They're huge. They're huge. And you know what's, what's fascinating? Well, so I knew a couple guys that dabbled with them. Mm-hmm. And one of their big complaints is they, there's no... There's no cattle housing equipment made for them, Mm-mm. you know, because you try to you put them in it like a, a regular cow. You can put a cow in a squeeze chute, yeah, and and have a neck thing that goes on them, and it keeps them pretty. I mean, tilt tables are all made for cows. You know, you can tilt a pretty good sized cow up, even beef cows because they're built the same. Well, buffalo aren't built like that. They're built like wedges. Yeah, tiny and, little back legs and huge front there. Yeah, exactly. And their heads are big, so you can't uh if you if you put if you get their head through a to a, a gate, the rest of their body slips through past that because it's their head is wider than everything else. Yeah. Or or it appears to be. And so that's a lot of the guys who are complaining about that all the time was there, there's no there's a it's difficult to contain them. And and to do any kind of vet work on them or anything like that. Yeah. <clears throat> I wouldn't mind r- raising a buffalo to full size just to have the skull and the robe i mean <laughs> just that by itself just a buffalo mount you, with a robe is many many thousands of dollars so if you could figure yep. out a way to raise buffalo you'd get a hell of a lot more money out of a buffalo than you ever would a cow so just a lot because of, a lot of the head a lot of people don't know this but a lot but back in the day back in the in the 1700s, 18, early 1800s, <clears throat> when this country was just developing. That was actually one of the furs that, that was coming back through here was buffalo hides. Mm-hmm. And um, so a lot, of, a lot of the people that lived in Michigan mm-hmm. during that period of time, during the early settlers' days, they had buffalo robes, buffalo coats yeah. that they used. because and it was, And you hear stories about it. Um, I, in fact, I've got a friend of mine that's got his, would be, it must be his great, great grandfather's buffalo coat. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they, they would wear that when they would, when they would go somewhere in the wintertime with like on their, with their sleigh. Yeah. Um, you know, just to, just to stay, that was their way of staying warm. Their, their, uh, their heater, I expose for the, for their trip. And he said, "You put that thing on." And he said, "It weighs a hundred pounds." Yeah, it's like one of those heavy blankets, you know, those weighted blankets that are all the craze. Yeah, you put it on, and it's like you're not moving underneath; you're just kind of stuck there. Yeah, here's the thing, though. Like, I'm so hot-blooded that even though I keep my house at sixty-two in the winter, I can't cover up with anything but a single sheet, or I'm too damn hot. Yeah. You know, so it's that the, these weighted blankets and all that just aren't going to work for me. No, 
And I, no, I think it's yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, I grew up sleeping with a, um, well, my grandma used to call it a pajena, but it's a basically a ginormous down comforter mm-hmm. that is like a mattress. Yeah. And so you would get in bed, and they would throw that thing on you. And you you basically stuck there till morning. <laughs> yeah, you can't roll around or anything. <laughs> yeah, it kept the kids in bed all night. Yeah, <laughs> no wandering. There's probably a lot but, of pee on that pajena because <laughs> you couldn't get out of bed. Yeah, you were stuck there. All right, I have some knife content. Knife content. Yep. All right. Okay, so Let's the go. first thing is is this is a message to Lon Humphrey. Okay, I commissioned the first ever tracker knife from him and i still Mm -hmm. have it and i don't know if he made any other ones but if he hasn't he should because every couple months someone sends me a message on facebook wanting to buy mine and willing to pay stupid money for it so like even if you just made 10 of them i bet that you could sell those for a pretty penny uh and again there's a big fucking stigma around the tracker knife how many of them how how long did it take Bark River to sell fifty of them? It was like under an eight hour. Minutes. Yeah, yeah, eight minutes. <laughs> yeah, and so like you know, maybe if you want to make money, maybe get over some of that shit. And that's yeah. not directed specifically at Lon. My only message to Lon was, "Hey man, that design that you came up with is worth money. And if you want me yep. to send the original back to you so you can see what you did and remember what you did, I will." But um. You know, that's all I have to say about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I remember yeah. how mu- how much the Bark River bucked us about that tracker knife, yep. and uh, they thought it wasn't going to sell and all of this. And you know, it's and guess what, man, that thing sold and sold so fast. And if you go on the Bark River forums and stuff, if you have one of those that you can sell that's in mint condition, dude. It, whatever you want for it, you'll get it. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah, they... Uh, you know, there's a lot of that stuff that is... Um, now, remember, the forums and, and the internet stuff has been about... Well, uh, 95. 1995. So what is that? 30 years? A long time. Yeah, 26 years. years. Of, of stuff that we've seen all kinds of trends explode and go by the wayside. Yeah. I mean, just tons of them. And it all, it always made me wonder about, I mean, I, the guys that are buying like the buck one tens or the, or the, uh, a buck special or a case for fin knife. Mm-hmm. Those guys that are just the, the guys that use their knife hunting, that's like a whole separate market from what exploded. Than what are than what are collectors. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And you see that in a lot of other th- stuff. You see it in watches. You see it in um, in hatchets and tomahawks, and you see it in guns, I guess, too. Yeah. I mean, I. I'm I go to the gun shop and you know I'm a I'm a 762 30-06 300 win mag guy um 44 magnum and I'm starting to see all these weird exotic 
and I, and I guess it's no different than it was 50 years ago or 100 years ago, yeah, 60 years ago, 70 years ago. Yeah, they've always had wildcat rounds that were like specialist things, but... Right, but you but you didn't see them at... You didn't see them all over the place. Yeah. You know, you didn't see... You didn't pick up a rifle and go, oh, well, what the hell caliber is that? What 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 kind of a round is that? And then all of a sudden you got to do some studying to figure out what, what its origin was. Um, That's like with that Creedmoor round that they're putting yeah. in lever actions now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like, so if you want to buy a lever action rifle now, good fucking luck. I had to go all the way to San Antonio to get one in forty five seventy, and mm-hmm. But there are still floating around a few Creedmoors. Um, but, I mean, honestly, the Creedmoor isn't designed for that. You right. Know, so you're going to have to use some sort of a... So Hornady makes a lever evolution round that has a soft polymer tip mm-hmm. so that it doesn't um, set off other rounds in a tubular magazine. But I don't know if they make that for the Creedmoor. And then, so if let's say if you can't find that, then you're going to have to hand load something with a little bit of a blunted tip on there, which right. totally totally changes the whole reason you bought the Creedmoor. You know, the whole right. reason you brought, bought the Creedmoor is because of the bullet shape and the different characteristics of how that shell is made makes it very accurate at long ranges. But if you right. change the bullet shape, you, I mean, you've just negated the whole reason you bought the... Because you remember when I was asking you about that. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then I, yep. I did some more research, and I'm like, oh, well, that's a very purpose-specific round. Yep. And then yep. try, to find, try to find ammo for it. <laughs> well, any kind of ammo for anything. Yeah, I mean, but right I now... mean, the popular stuff, like .30-06 you can get. Um, yep. And I, I did find uh, some uh, .45-70, but that's hard to get, and so is .30-30. Like, yep. you know, but I think you could probably get like 30-06 and some of the more common calibers. I, I just don't think many people are hunting with 30-30s anymore. No. You know? And that and that was the, uh, I don't, you know, I don't know. There's, you know, there's still a lot of people out there that have one rifle. Grandpa's 35 Remington or, uh, or his 30-30 or his... You know, and they they just take it out and go hunting with it. They're not a not target you know, shooting or they're not yeah they're not out target shooting and and it, and uh, not going to the thousand yard competitions or anything like that. They're just hunting, you know, in their in their back of their farm. You know, they take their doe, they take their buck, they butcher them up, they eat venison, they make sausage. Mm-hmm. You know, some people get a deer and make sausage out of the whole thing. Um. I, I mean, I don't know if I told you this or not, but maybe we talked about it last time. You can remind me, because um, I've been talking about it a lot lately about the broadheads for a oh, crossbow. Oh yeah, we talked about that. <laughs> yeah, that's. A, I mean, it's like it's like what really? How what, how how many different ways and shapes can you make a broadhead? Right. Uh, okay. Hundreds. So I have one more point to make about the tracker knife, right? Yep. And and about these niche markets. Okay. Do you know what comes out on Monday? It's only out for a few weeks a year, and everybody goes fucking batshit, and then it goes away until the next year. Um, would that be 
uh, blueberries or whatever. No, no, no. Your, your cereal. Yeah, I, I, I have boxes of that. My kids don't like it as much as I do, but because it's not as sweet. <laughs> uh, yeah. But the no, it's the McRib. Oh, so the probably the reason those knives are holding their value so well is they only made a few of them. Yeah. So if I was going to do it and I wanted to make it profitable, I'd make, if I were lawn, I'd make 25 of them and then let that, let those circulate for, uh, I don't know, say three, four years and then do another run of them. And by the, and by the time you get that next run done, uh, people will be so crazed about getting more of them that they'll go out and do it. You know, so yeah. my first McRib was last year. You know, and I ate one and it was, you know, so here's my McRib review, right? I ate this thing and it's, it's pleasant. You know, it's not, it's not like you're eating a rack of ribs, you know, right. uh, the sauce is okay. It's not offensive. Um, the thing that impressed me about the McRib is that they used fresh onions that somebody would have had to have chopped in the store that day. Right. Instead of reconstituted dehydrated onions, which is what you get. All the rest of the time. Yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, it's funny. The McRib is, is an interesting sandwich because it's just, it's just pork mush. Yeah. That's, that's, that's formed and cooked like that. Yep. But I think of the combination of the sauce, the pickle, yeah. and the stupid onion is yeah. what make that sandwich well, good. Well, and the fact that it's only around for a couple weeks. Yeah. Because you eat one of those and you're like, yeah, I guess that was pretty good. I don't think I'll buy another one. Until the yeah. next year, when you when yeah. it, when they start hyping it up again. So, do you want to know where the technology to make the McRib came from? Where's that? The U.S. Army. Uh, the U.S. Army um, developed a, huh. a shaped uh, meat, a way to make meat into different shapes and cook it and have it, you know, so that you could use basically garbage tier meat and turn it into something that looked like real meat so that they could serve it to the soldiers and they'd eat it. Yeah. And uh, that technology, they'll, the army will give you any technology you want uh, for stuff like that, you know, stuff that they've developed using taxpayer money that doesn't really have any kill you applications. So, but right. well, McDonald's I mean, found out about that and snatched that up and, the McRib came out in like 1982 or something. The guy that, that came up with making a McRib as a sandwich, he also invented the chicken McNugget. And the, he came up with the McRib because they couldn't make enough chicken, chicken McNuggets for every store to have one, and every store wanted it. So he said, well, you guys can have the McRib until we get more chicken McNuggets. <laughs> and that's, and that's I, literally I didn't know what that. it was. Yeah, no, I, I've done a ton of research on this because I... I actually am looking forward to Monday because I'm going to get my one McRib a year. Well, I'm going to. I, I guess I didn't realize. Does that go out? It goes out all over the place. Yeah. Year well, no. Yeah. Last year was the first time it was nationwide. Ah. Because uh, I know I've I've had them. Yeah. And but I've not been eating at McDonald's. I I. Uh, I know. There's I don't something about, Yeah. Yeah. I it, there's something about McDonald's. I won't. I have not eaten a a hamburger in quite a while. And then about two weeks ago, we were on our way in a hurry somewhere. We hadn't eaten dinner, and it was a two-hour drive, and we swung into a McDonald's and grabbed and ran, and I felt like crap all night. Yeah. And it, and it was, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure nothing else changed except the freaking quarter pounder with cheese. Right. 
So and and yeah. So well, so here here's again. This is another thing I've researched because when I was a kid, and even in the early '90s, McDonald's fries were the shit. Yeah, and a a Big Mac was a delicious damn sandwich, and you ate one yep. of them and a small fries, and you were full. Yeah, and it's not like my stomach is bigger than it was back then, but I eat. The fries aren't as good anymore, and the and the Big Mac is a fraction of the size it was even yep. even twenty years ago, and so I did some research, and the reason the fries changed is because they used to include uh, beef tallow in their frying oil and sometime in the late 90s some animal rights people found out about it and riled up all these vegetarians and then mcdonald's stopped using beef tallow so that their fries now don't taste the same as they used to they're still good but back in the day man mcdonald's fries were awesome yeah and then uh they um and no and you know nobody else has been able to duplicate no that. no and to today their fries are okay um they've they've come up with some sort of a food additive you know clark griswold from christmas vacation he formulated something that kind of tastes like beef tallow if you add it to the oil but it's not it doesn't taste the same um Oline. <laughs> well <laughs> no that used to make people shit their guts out you remember that oh my god Olean oh yeah came out oh yeah oh but, yeah uh, but so anyway, they've changed their the way they fry their fries, and and again, I'm I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying they're not what they were. And so I, right. I the the only thing I ever get at McDonald's anymore is the breakfast burritos, and once a year a McRib. Yeah. Um, have you have you tried uh, have you eaten at a Five Guys? Yeah. Their fries are pretty good. Yeah, and they give you a lot of them. Yeah, their fries are pretty good. Their burgers I, aren't bad either. Nope, no yeah. burgers aren't bad either, and. Um, so that's been our new. If we're gonna stop and get a hamburger somewhere, that or Culver's. Yeah. Well, Culver's. But, you go to Culver's for the chilies. Yeah. So there's two you, two chains that have good chili, and it's Wendy's and Culver's. Have you ever? Uh, have you ever been to that McDonald's University outside of Chicago? Uh huh. So there's a big campus outside of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's called, I think it's called McDonald's University. Yeah. And it's where all the managers go and the franchise owners, they go to learn about, you know, how to do it. up their money, how to do it, you know, and plus they do all their research there too. Yeah. So that's, that is where the Clark Griswold's work. Yeah, exactly. That's why I said Clark Griswold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, but, it, but it's a, but it's a big campus. It looks like a, it literally looks like a college. Yeah. So I have a I have a burger recommendation for people traveling through northern Michigan. And I have to say it's certainly the best burger I've had in the last 10 years and it's on my list of top burgers ever. Okay? Uh, that that would have to be Clyde's. No, that's on ah! that's on the top 10 list, but this this burger I had, you were there and it was better than Clyde's. Yeah. The Weather Vane in Char- in Charlevoix. Oh yeah. I tell you what, that burger, it came out on a homemade toasted bun. The beef was juicy as hell. They cooked it right, uh, and it was, it was just so many notches above yeah. all the other burgers. Now, now the weather vane is a pretty fancy place. Yeah, so you're gonna, you're not gonna yeah. go in there and order a burger. But I, I just was for whatever reason that no. day I was hungry for a burger. Well, did did you did you 
Did we ever have a burger at Vernali's? That's up by you, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we had one there, and that was good, too. But it, it yeah. was not weather weather vane tier. Um, and I, it may just say, have been that on that particular burger on that particular day, they just nailed it. But yeah. I, it, but I, I wake up in the middle of the night having had a dream of, about eating that damn thing again. <laughs> That's how good it was. So, so we we do have uh, there there is a lot of hamburger places up here that make phenomenal hamburgers. Yeah, I, I will give. I mean, anywhere from a, a, a more inexpensive burger like Clyde's. To yeah. Vernali's, uh, um, City Park Grill. City Park. That's um, you're getting up there in price, but that's another good one. But that's another good one. Douglas Lake Steakhouse has a has a phenomenal burger, um, and it, and it seems like there's a lot of places up here that do provide a really really good burger. We actually have a little dive in Lanson. and I shouldn't call it a dive. It's kind of a nice little place. It's not an inexpe- or not an expensive place. But they actually make a a Big Mac type burger. Oh, I want to go it, there. That, Next time I'm up there, we have to go there. You mean with yep. the middle deck? Yep. Yeah, yep. I have to have that up there. And it's and it's good. And it's really quite good. I'm gonna come I'm gonna um, road trip up there. Now that I think about it, do they have a middle deck in that? I know they have all they have all the other stuff, because when you bite into it you think you're eating a you're eating a Big Mac. So it's maybe the special sauce that they're putting on there and the onions, yeah. lettuce, pickles, cheese. Sesame seed bun, right? Two but, all but beef I'm trying patties. To think if they've got, yep, I'm trying to think if they've got a middle deck in there. I don't remember. That Google, but I know shit. it's a yeah. It's called um, the place is called Bob's Place. Okay, and uh, I'm trying to think what they called it. Anyways, but it's it's a good sandwich. It's yeah. a it's a very very good sandwich. And so the the other burger recommendation I have for people that are up there. Uh, is the Olive Burger at the Side Door Saloon. Oh, yeah. That's a hard one to beat. Uh, yeah. I, and if, if you want a, a Michigan burger, like the regional burger from Michigan, it's an Olive Burger. And the best, and I've had them all over the state, and the best Olive Burger I've ever had is at the Side Door Saloon. My, yep. my criticism of the Side Door Saloon is they need to buy a goddamn fryer. <laughs> because yeah, they you don't have french fries yeah you can't get rings. french fries or onion rings with it you can only get potato chips and i'm sorry when i have a burger i want the fries i don't want yep. potato chips i'll have potato chips with a club sandwich or something like that i don't want them with a burger and if you're known for having the best damn olive burger in the state serve fries So, so you're gonna laugh. You're gonna laugh today. Um, or yesterday on the way home, I told I told Kathy to stop and get some kibasa. Mm-hmm. And so she did on the way home, and she came home and she said, um, "So I, I bought, I got the kibasa, I got this, I got that." And she said, "And I got um, 
some baguettes, and I've got some Kogel Braunschweiger. Oh, I don't like that stuff. My mom used oh. to eat the hell out of that. But you don't like that? Are you serious? I oh my know. god! My mom used to eat it, <laughs> but it was she. She bought something called liverwurst, which is basically yeah. Braunschweiger or whatever. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's yeah. the same thing. But I think um, what so Kogel's makes. There's two things you got to try since you've been back because I didn't know it was here prior. But you'll be able to get it where you're at now. Kogel makes a chili dog, chili for their hot yeah, dogs. Yeah, I've seen that. I'm gonna. I, I that's on my get, list. Yeah, get that. That's really really quite good. Yeah. And the Braunschweiger, that's a really good thing. And then they have they have a lot of other specialty type bolognese. Yeah, they're the, the best bologna that you can possibly get is there is Kogel's uh, pickle or olive loaf. Yeah. Um, because it's square like your sandwich and not round like Oscar Mayer. And it's way <laughs> more flavorful than, well, than any other. And you can get that at Olson's. That's the only place I've ever seen it. So, you know, um, so that place is in Flint, Michigan. The Kogel's is. It's a, it's a, okay. a, a, regional, a regional hot dog company. So if you're not in... And I don't even think it's, out, it's sold outside of Michigan, but I could be wrong. It could be Ohio and Indiana might have it too. I don't think you can get it in Illinois. You can't. Um, they, it was kind of funny because they had a giant competition of who had the best tasting hot dog mm-hmm. um, in the United States. And everybody, all the judges said they had had, I mean, they were all hot dog people, hot dog aficionados. They all said the same thing. They said, had Kogel's been a national brand, yeah, they would have won hands down. There's no yeah. question about it. it. Yeah, it's but because they're not a national brand, they can't. They're not in that competition. Well, and I agree. Unless unless you want a Chicago style hot dog, the best hot dog you're ever going to buy is going to be a Kogel's. Oh yeah. yeah, yep. Unless it's a local, like a like Plath's makes their own hot dogs. Yeah, Plath's, Max's, Max's, Max's down the, in those Tra- are Traverse good, City. But, did. but again, that's like. You have to go to the butcher and get them, and then they look at you funny because yeah. you're buying a hot dog and not their prime right. rib. And right, <laughs> it's it annoys well, I know, me. I, and and Max's Max's makes a a a, a hot dog. I don't, maybe they don't make it anymore, but they used to make a hot dog that was uh, they called it a rustic, yeah, style hot dog. Yeah, they still make and that. But but the meat was a little bit not ground as fine. Yeah, it's chunkier. I don't think as, chunkier. Yep, it's more like a and it was. Yep, yeah. it was good. Yeah, those very, are good. good. I've had those. Um, but again, and I because I used to go in there and buy them, and every year for Christmas I would go in there and order a bone in, meaning leave the damn bones on, don't cut them off, prime rib, a four bone prime right. rib, because I'd have people right. over for Christmas, and they would get me one, and it was so glorious that they would display it in the window. <laughs> until I came and picked it up, you know. So I'm I'm going in there, and when I, you know, there's different specialty cuts of meats I'd buy in there. I'd buy the Kobe style ribs for, um, for uh, not Kobe. Um, there's a name for it, but anyway, it's for Korean uh, barbecue ribs. Yeah, it's yeah. they're cut a certain way. So I'd go in there and buy those. I'd go in there and buy the pinka, the the triangular meat that you use for uh, Brazilian steakhouse. Right. So I'd go in there and I'd buy really expensive shit from them, and they knew who I was, you know, right. because they actually hired a jazz band that I played for, for their events and stuff a bunch of times. But, but they, um, 
they they knew who I was, and they knew that I bought the most expensive shit in their store. But whenever I'd buy hot dogs, I'd get a look. You know, and it's like, well, if you don't want to sell me hot dogs, then don't fucking sell them. You know. <laughs> so I'm a Kogel's guy. Yeah. Uh, if you want to have a Chicago style hot dog, you need to buy Vienna beef, and you can only buy that in the Chicago land area. Yeah. You know, the suburbs have them too, but like outside I th- I of there, think you you're can, not going to get it. I'm, I'm think I thought you could get those on Amazon now. Yeah, but they're going to arrive like rotten. Maybe I don't know. Well, I know, I know, I have got. The Vienna um, sport peppers. Yeah, you can buy I've got, those. I've got it's the Vienna. I mean, you can buy those locally. The Vienna relish, the the, the toxic yeah, the green, green relish. Yeah, but to actually you know, buy the hot dogs, you got to go there to a grocery store in the suburbs. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. I, I, I mean, will I've say never this, seen I, them anywhere, but they're... I will say this. So my understanding of meat laws and hot dog laws, that kind of stuff, is that. There's a, st- a certain standard of what can be put in a hot dog. Michigan has the strictest. And Michigan has the strictest standard uh, th- uh, anywhere. No buttholes, no guts, yep, yep, no, yep. none of that no stuff. Ki- no kitty hair, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> and no, yeah. no cat hair. No rats. <laughs> yeah. No rats, and nothing Michigan like is the strictest. So my youngest daughter, now this is your fucking public school system at work for you. Only she was at a Catholic school, which makes me even madder. In, in kindergarten, their video showed them some disgusting video about how hot dogs are made. And now she won't eat them. You know, and it's like, why did you, why would you ever fucking do that unless you were trying to make some point? You know? So, it's kind of funny because my, my, my oldest boy, love him dearly. Mm-hmm. Grandkids, love him dearly. Love his wife dearly. They're, Moderately successful, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm gonna I'll use that term, but he's not hurting. So, um, but he's a skinflint tightwad. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, just <laughs> like this. So, when his kids were, his family was in China for three years. So, during during a, a, a certain period of their lives, I, I the kids I talked to him on the phone or you know, and uh, when he when he came back. He was in Georgia for a bit. He was in North Carolina for a bit. He was in, you know, all over the different places. And he and he would come here, and uh, and I we were somewhere talking, and uh, he basically said he's got ham, he's got hot dogs, he's making hot dogs. I was like, oh, what kind of hot dogs are you making? And he said, well, I got, I buy the cheapest hot dogs I can buy. I was like, you what? <laughs> You what? It's you're saving thirty cents. <laughs> yeah, and I, so we were laughing about that. I so I was telling the kids, the grandkids, don't eat the hot dogs your daddy buys because they're junk. They're just garbage. Don't even eat them. You gotta you gotta get them to get buy good hot dogs. I said that's. I said you can't skimp on hot dogs. I said no. You're already scary. skimping. You're already yeah. skimping if you're buying a hot dog. Like oh, that's where you on. save the money. My, one of my favorite meals. I, a lot of people will laugh about this, but one of my favorite meals is a can of hot dogs or a can of beans mm-hmm. with hot dogs cut it up and put yeah, it beans, in. bean and weenies or whatever. I, I, I love, I love that. I put mustard on it, and and I, if I would eat it once a week, if I if my wife would tolerate it, I would eat it once a week. <laughs> yeah, because I because I love it. I mean, it's like one of those stupid foods that reminds me of my childhood. Yeah, I eat it, and I love it. Yeah, and and uh. You know, so so about I don't know a little while later they come and visit, 
we have hot dogs on a bun. And uh, and he said, oh, by the way, I want to thank you a lot for, for telling my kids not to eat the hot dogs I buy because they're so cheap and junky. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> I said, well, good. I'm glad it got through. I said, start buying them good hot dogs. Yeah. <laughs> Life is too short to eat shitty hot dogs. Right. You're already eating the cheap version of, of food if you're eating a hot dog. Ah, the legendary tube steak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so I have another knife content. I um, have some too. Well, let me let me do this one first. So I don't know if you've noticed, but Case Knives has now started uh, partnering with different, um, looks like custom folder makers. Oh, yeah. They, they've, they've done... Okay, so they're traditional uh, pocket knives. Mm-hmm. For a long time, they work with Tony Bose. Yeah, he's so he's got a whole bunch of them out now, and they look gorgeous. Wes. And he is a wonderful, was a wonderful, wonderful knife maker. He passed. Okay. And uh, wonderful man. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure he passed. I mean, I could be mistaken. Maybe he hasn't passed, but I could. I think. I think he did. Yeah. Okay. And. Uh, he was probably the, um, I think he probably was like the premier folding knives um, maker for a long time. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe he's not. Maybe I'm misremembering. I haven't seen him in a while, so oh. maybe that's why. Okay. Oh, yeah. No, no. He passed. He's passed. Okay. He was 74 years old. And he was literally one of the great guys in the knife industry. He was a wonderful man to talk to. He, he only, I think he only, I think he only made folding knives. I don't think he ever, I mean, I'm sure he made a fixed blade knife somewhere along the line, Mm -hmm. but I, I can't recall one that he made, Mm -hmm. but he made all of his, all of his folding knives were just wonderful. But now, and we have. There's a lot of uh, traditional pocket knife maker. His boy is a is a good maker too, mm-hmm. um, but they're like Bill Rupel and and uh, a couple others that have been around for a while, um, and and it's interesting because those traditional slip joint pocket knives have you'd think that they would be a little more in tune with. Uh, with the young kids that are working in the city that are, you know, working in an office or not, they, you know, they don't even mow their grass because they live in a condo somewhere. <laughs> you you would think that that would be a knife that they would be more in tune with rather than some tactical folder or, uh, you know, like when I wear, when I wear a suit, mm-hmm. I have, I have a, a knife like that in my pocket. Yeah, nice I, one. I don't, I, I don't. Yeah, I wear, a, I carry <clears throat> an elephant toe. Yeah, yeah, I but I carry a knife like that, you know, and it may be it's, I have a number of different ones, English type pocket knives that um that yeah. are popular. Some I have, are, I have some really nice ones <clears throat> that I bought from Derek. Yep. yep. That I can't really talk about for various reasons. Um but <laughs> well, yeah. is your wife is your wife in close proximity? Well, she listens to every episode, but not, that's not the reason. <laughs> I bought these years ago, so that money's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, I'll tell you off the air why um, that I can't talk about them. But they are fantastic knives. Yeah, and it's yep. uh, I think they're from Great Northern. Right. Um. Anyway. But anyway, so, they, so, they've got a bunch of new uh, stuff out that looks really good. There's a Papaw knife out 
that, that looks good. And then the, there's they've got a, a number of Tony Bose collaborations, and some of those are in the five yeah. six hundred dollar range. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was I no, was he, impressed by their. He new, was a he was a great guy. He did a lot of beautiful work for them. Um, he did a. He would usually come out with one or two of them every year, and then they would they would make a. They would make that model, um, and Case is really interesting company because what they 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 limit the what they make. Mm-hmm. So um, they may make, and I'm just going to throw the number out. I don't know if that's the number or not, but they may make a thousand of those knives. Yeah. It's and probably more be it. like 250. Yeah, and yeah. and and that'll be it. They won't. They'll sell them all, and you will not see that model for a long time. Because they'll put it now in they, the vault, which is yeah. why I go so crazy whenever they have they take the elephant toe out of the vault, and I buy yep. as many of them as I can get my hands on. Yep. Yeah. And that and and they're really good about that, and they're still the most collected knife in the world for a reason, and their shit is yep. good. You know, yep. I have never handled a case knife that wasn't tight. Right. You know, if you ever get any case knife, you're going to be satisfied with what you bought. Yep. Um, so I I really like that company, and I have since I was a little, little kid. Yep. Um, okay, I have a... Uh, what what knife content do you have? And then I have so, um, two more. So I get, a, I get a phone call from a friend the other day, and he's a, he's a knife nut, mm-hmm. and he is... Uh, was looking for steak knives. Mm-hmm. And we had talked in the past about my Bark River steak knives, which I I don't know how many that Mike ever made. I don't think it, he made very many. Yeah. Uh, so I would assume they're quite valuable. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, my gut, my gut feeling tells me that, that, you know, they're a couple hundred dollar a knife, steak knives. Mm-hmm. Be- beautiful set. And he wanted to know if I wanted to part with him. And I was like, no, I, no. <laughs> no, no, I don't, I don't know. And uh, he said, well, can you help me find a set of steak knives? And so we were looking at a bunch of different stuff. And I said, you know, I said, most steak knives are serrated. I said, and it's difficult to find one that's that's not serrated. And uh, I, I closed my window here because I had... Uh, they were called Messer. They were called Messer. Now nah, I can't even think of what they were called. Messer, Messer Miser, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to look it up again to get the exact. And I remember seeing these at uh, the shot show. Messer Meister was the Messer brand. Meister. Yeah, and. Up. A nice, a nice set uh, of these with I think they're rosewood grips or something like that. With like ninety nine bucks for, for uh, oh, eight of them. Nice, those are tight. And I thought, I thought you know for the price, that's pretty hard to beat. That's yeah. a pretty high quality piece. Um, yeah, and I I've thought, seen those in like real high end, uh, real high well, end steakhouses have stuff like that. I, I almost think you can buy those like at William Sonoma. Well, you can get yeah, you can get them at um, a bunch of different places. Uh, I'm they're coming up all over the place. Um, in Google Images search, Crate and Barrel, you can get them. Looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, those are those are really nice steak knives. I I have a recommendation too, uh, Lyul. Yeah, and I have I have uh, I actually have two sets of Lyul. Yeah, and what he was looking, and they have a weird serration. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a, it's like serrated on one side, and then it and then halfway through there's a notch on the other side, and yeah, so I don't know, I, and and we like them. I mean, we use them. Well, but, my my Lyols are just straight. There's no serrations. Yeah, see, mine aren't. Oh. Mine are mine are serrated, and and both sets of them are serrated. Wow, these look nice. The Messermeister Oliva Elite four point five inch, but this one has it's multi edge. I wonder what that means. It's probably part of it's serrated or something. Um, well, the ones the one that I showed him were the oh these ones it, have these oh I get it so I have some other steak knives like these they just put really fine serrations out towards the tip and then the rest of the blade is uh, is flat ah yeah those I have some knives like that but they're not by that company but that's another very common feature you'll find on steak knives. So the so the Lyuls that you have are are not serrated. That's interesting. Yeah, there there's no serrations on them. Um, I'll have to look for those. Yeah, they're nice. Next time you come down, I'll show them to you. All okay, right. I have a. Do you have any other knife stuff? Well, so I was on uh, I was on one of the Facebook groups, and we were talking about. You know, a lot of a lot of the guys are buying are are looking up finding antique axe heads, and, yeah, and putting hand and putting handles on that, them. That's something you and I started like a decade yeah. ago on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And now they're and now they're they're burning the handles with a torch. Yeah. What? What? And so, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. And and so I I made I asked, I, what's the deal with burning the handles? And of course, everybody said, "Oh, it looks nice. It looks this. It looks that." You know, and I was like, "Well, it takes away the, the flexibility out of the, out of the wood." I, I said, "You're, you know, it's in my head. I'm thinking that's like the worst thing you could possibly do, would be to to char the handle on an axe." Well, aren't because your hands gonna get dirty. Or yeah, do they well, coat it what with they, like they coat it? They they put like tongue oil over the top of it, or okay. or or boiled linseed oil or whatever over the top of it. So it look so it gives it the appearance of uh, of of obviously aging it because they're they're oxidizing the wood. Yeah, and that's uh, lame. And, yeah, well, that, that's what I was thinking. It's, it's like, the well, fake patina crowd does that exactly. Exactly, and I and I was thinking, you know, there, that's a group of people that are obviously are not using axes. Yeah, you know, because they're take they're they're buying some vintage axe that the that the the insert probably was sharpened off of it, mm. and then they're and then they're cutting and grinding it, and turning it into some kind of a tom tomahawk, but they can't actually use it because there's no insert in the yeah. In the, um, there's like a little wedge thing there. Yeah, that's built the, of into hard the axe steel. itself. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's hard to steal. It's built in, yeah. And and once you once you sharpen it past that, it's done. The, yeah, it's done. You're, the axe is nothing. It's worth scrap. You know, you, you basically could forge it into another one. You know, another uh, hatchet and forge another piece of uh, uh, hardened steel into it. But um, but it's but it's interesting. The, uh, that whole movement is a group of people that are obviously talented because they're making handles from scratch. That's a pain in the ass. 
you know, yeah, and they're and they look good and stuff, and then they go and they burn their handles on them. I'm like, well, why would you? I mean, it already looks beautiful without it being burnt. Why would you burn it? Yeah. You know, if somebody is, actually wants to use it, they're going to be cracking their handles. Mm. But I don't know. That's my little rant. I have I have two more knife related things. What do you got? Okay, from TulsaWorld.com. Uh, this guy. So the headline is City Nixes Violation After Giant Chef's Knife Creates Stir in Upscale Tulsa Neighborhood. Uh, so this guy, he had a, uh, he's got a house, and he had a custom-made chef's knife that is 14 feet tall, put on a block ah! in his front. It's taller than his roof. There's, he's got his yard, and there's this huge chef's knife in front of his house. And it's the funniest damn picture. Like, there's so it's a piece huge, of art. There's like it's a, a house. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a statue. It's and a apparently, statue. Apparently they cited him and then they um, they rescinded the citation because it's a sculpture rather uh, than... Oh, okay. Yeah, but the neighbors yeah. don't like it. <laughs> well, that's actually kind of cool. Yeah, I know. I think so that's kind of that cool good looking. knife news. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now I have another thing. Um open up your facebook i've got a okay everybody ready perry mason knife detective for jim So it's uh, for for people at home. It's Yellowstone season two, episode six, at the thirty-eight minute four second mark. Walker, who's a hand on the ranch, is being driven to a place called the train station. And, <laughs> and without giving away too much, if you go to the train station, um, nobody knows about you anymore. And he was sitting in the passenger seat of the truck, getting driven to the train train station. And he opened a folding knife. So the details that I can see from that are that it's a Damascus blade, one-handed opening with some sort of a jigged bone handle. You recognize that? Or is it probably from some custom maker? Uh, you sent me a picture of that, Yeah, right? it's in your Facebook. Facebook Messenger has it. And it's in the chat so, on, on uh, Skype. So... <sighs> It's only on screen for a couple seconds, but he uses it one other time in a fight with Rip. But it's this is the only time where you can see it close up in the whole series. What's well, in, What's interesting about that? It looks like it's got a. It looks like it's got one of those notches to see the see the notch just right at the yeah at the back of the spine. It almost looks like it's a like a um, yeah. It's, so it's got an opener, a but, flipper on it. Yeah, it, it does. But so it's got the thumbnail thing, but it also has a stud right underneath his thumb there that you right. can't see but then if you look at the pivot for that um if you look real closely you can see that that pivot is not something that just any old um knife that you buy from the store is going to have it's a custom pivot with a uh, allen wrench screw in the middle of it so this is a custom knife that you're meant to be able to tighten 
and right. loosen. And plus, it's Damascus steel. And there's some writing right. on the blade, but I can't get close enough to figure out what it is. And uh, I don't know. I've looked, searched the internet. Nobody. I. This is the only existing picture of it, and it, the only reason it exists is because I copied it off you, of Amazon Prime. You screen copied I that. I screen captured that. That's the only existing picture of that knife on the internet. Um. So. I don't know. What was that character's name? Walker. Walker. Yeah. He was the guy. Was he the? He's a guitar player. He's a guitar player. Huh. But anyway, it's some Damascus custom Damascus folder with a um, jig bone handle, uh, really nice pivot, and it's one hand opening. And I'm pretty sure this is because it stumped the shit out of me. I'm pretty sure. We're not going to be able to find an answer to this, so I would throw this out to the audience as well. To try to find it. Yeah, to try to find it. Like, if it, we we have nerds in our audience. And once, I guarantee you, I after we put our last episode off, I got 50 different texts from different people. And somebody <laughs> listening to this is going to be able to figure out what that knife is. Now, I gave you the timestamp. It's season two, episode six, 38 minutes and four seconds. And uh, anyway, so that's my Perry Mason knife detective, and I—that's a—that's a real good one. Yeah, we might that, have to. That's a really because good that, one. Because I want that knife. Like I don't care how much it costs, I'll buy it. And <laughs> I know that's from a custom maker. And if you're a custom maker listening to that, and your knife got in there, you need to publicize that shit. And I don't care what you charge for it, I'll buy it and interview you on the podcast. <laughs> and you'll sell a thousand of those tomorrow. Yeah. So, yep. like, whoever whoever made that knife, you need to let people know that you made that knife. Um, anyway, so that's that. But isn't that a good knife detective? I thought absolutely, was. absolutely. Yeah. That's a that's a that's not going to be an easy one to figure out. Unless you're unless you're the maker. Our audience help us with that. Yeah. So absolutely. The, I, somebody out in our audience knows who made that. Somebody does because literally every, every, everybody in the knife industry at least knows what this podcast is, and a lot of them listen to it. Because I get after we released our last episode, I got fifty different texts from different people, and mm -hmm. that doesn't count emails, Facebook messages, or any of that. These are people that have my phone number, which very few people do. Um, anyway, I have a, another update from our, uh, our community. And that Yellowstone show is going to be on in November again? Yeah, November 7th, it comes out on Paramount Plus streaming service. But I'm sure if you wait a couple months, you'll be able to buy it on Amazon. Because I'm sure they have a streaming deal with them. Or it may come out on Amazon that you can buy it on November 7th, but so far you can't. So that so we watched that. So I use a, my streaming service. I don't even have Paramount on it. Mm -hmm. I don't even know how I got it. But I but I put it on my streaming service. I, I I searched for it. It showed up, and I put record on it, and I have no idea. And it's and it's a Paramount show. So where else did it ever did it ever show weekly? Nowhere that I can find it. The only place I've been able to find it where you can stream it is Amazon. 
and you have to pay for it. Yeah, because I got it. I got it with commercials that you can fast forward. Oh, mine is commercial free because you can right. tell when when you're watching it, there are commercial breaks built in there. You know, right, exactly. Pauses here and there, but I I don't like that, so I just I just buy it. Exactly. Okay, so I am uh, missing some content that I was supposed to have. Uh, old friend of the snow show, uh, none other than Snowman. Uh, got in touch with me, loved the episode, and uh, he was supposed to send me an update, and he didn't because he's probably busy with life, to be honest. He's an on, over-the-road trucker, and on top of it, like I texted him about an hour before we started recording, and I haven't heard back, but I'm, I'm assuming that in the next few episodes, we'll have a snowman update for people to hear about. And usually the trademark is there's a horn, uh, semi horn honk <laughs> in there <laughs> somewhere. Uh, but he yeah. he he did send me some questions, but I'm not going to answer them until I get his update because people won't won't have context. Um. So anyway, how's he how's he how's he doing? Okay. Good. Oh yeah, he lives. He, he used to live by me, but um, because of COVID, we we never really got together. I we tried to make it happen a few times, but just didn't work so is is uh is he is he making up the supply chain problem difference is he is he, well, is he trying to correct that i'm sure since he's one of our listeners he could do it single-handed yeah so, I, so i think too uh, okay so that's something we should talk about he's probably he's chain. probably the only one that's working he's bound it down load it up and truck it are we gonna do what they say can't be done yeah so let's see I, here's a couple other I mean that's all I've got for knives um, I did want to mention that our podcast is going to be available on Spotify here pretty quick yep so yep. a lot of people this will probably be the first episode you've ever listened to um, because Jim just submitted the feed to Spotify this morning yep um, so so you know on that back on hang on a second mm -hmm. back on that uh, the only the only upside to the supply plane chain problem it's not an upside but it's good for American knife makers oh hell yeah <laughs> because because there's the Chinese stuff has not been coming in mm -hmm. or it's got stuck out on the boats but then you think about all of the screws and nuts and bolts and stuff that come from there too. So um, people, if you don't know it, Bark River uh, makes all of that shit. Makes all of your fasteners, yeah. all of that. You can get all of that. The Col Corby bolts, um, basically yep. whatever you would want. You just have to inquire within. I'm assuming. Yep. I don't. I've never seen them actually sell it to the general public, but. I, I know for a fact that they sell to a certain distributor that I buy that stuff from. 
So right. they are selling it. They're just not selling it to the general public. Right. Um, the, the, okay, so I have... Before we start on anything much more involved, I have uh, uh, two specific rants. And one of them <laughs> Jim was involved with this morning. So I have three kids, and uh, two of them have an iPod Touch. Right, which doesn't allow them to make phone calls, but they can send texts as long as they have a Wi-Fi. And one of them has an actual iPhone because she's uh, now almost 17 years old, and it's like kind of ridiculous that she wouldn't have one at this point. And I, so, you, so she you, didn't get one until she was 16. So you never did uh, have that discussion about her driving. Is she driving mean? now? Oh yeah. Is she driving now? Oh yeah. So so how did that all work out? How how is that She she the first time she ever drove a car was in the exact same automobile that was the first time I ever drove. And that's the nineteen eighty one <laughs> Ford F one fifty. She was allowed to drive it once and then now she drives uh we don't she doesn't have her own car, but if she wants to go to the store or something, she takes my wife's Subaru. And uh -huh. one time my wife was gone. And I let her take my pickup to go hunt down our sisters that were loose in the neighborhood. Um, ah! Uh, but anyway, so back to the subject here. So everybody in the house has some sort of an Apple phone product. And uh, the, the kids will, like, lose one of their cords or something, and then they'll go pilfer, like, my cord. You know? Ah. And uh, I, I can't tell you, I probably bought 20 different cords... And every time I go to plug my iPhone in, it's I can't find a cord. And I, so today I was looking through an old desk that one of my daughters has, and there's like 15 different freaking iPhone cords in there, you know. Um, but th th so I sent <laughs> I sent Jim a text this morning uh, by mistake. Hey, do you have that uh, switch cable up there? If so, bring it down and you can have amnesty. Because I was on a tear this morning because they keep stealing my cables. And then they steal my, they lose their cable, they steal my cable, and then they lose my stolen cable. And so <laughs> I mistakenly sent him a message about that. So I'm sure people in our audience with kids can very much relate to that. So that was rant number one. Oh, I like I like the amnesty thing. Yeah, I mean it's like, look, all I want is the cord back, and I won't be mad at you, and I won't yell at you. Just bring me my freaking cord, you know. Uh, and then the because uh, I have to go to the store to get one, you know. Right. And I don't, I didn't want to leave my house because we were an hour away from podcasting. You right. Know, and, right. And uh, you know, so anyway, so here's my second rant, and I know this is gonna piss a lot of you off. And I don't fucking care. You can be pissed, okay? Induction uh. stoves blow donkeys. I <laughs> fucking hate induction stoves with a white hot passion. <laughs> so did you get is it, that it, your, it, your new house? You got one? It, it came with the house. And right. in order to get rid of that, I'm going to have to rip out mar a, a big section of marble counter counter. Uh, a whole bunch of custom-made cabinets, and then the hood that's with this stove, which is a bullshit, non-functional hood that just looks nice, 
and I'm going to have to rip all of that out of there and put in the real stove, which is a gas stove. And my preferred brand of gas stove is Wolf. But I tell you what, like, you know, the nice Calphalon omelet pan that you have that you use, you can't use it right. with an induction stove. The old, really? The old Farberware pots that your mom gave you, can't use those. Anything that doesn't let you stick a magnet to it, uh, you can't you can't use on that stove. I, I hold that thought for one second. I got a. You can keep on ranting if you want, but I'm no. going to show you what I just found. We'll take a hang on. T- a 30 second break because uh, right. then we'll come back. Uh, the other day, you know, you talk about induction stoves. The other day, my wife and I were at uh, Marshalls because she gets stuff for my mom uh-huh. there. And, uh, of course, I don't want to hang out in the in the um, bath salts aisle. <laughs> so, I, so I end up wandering back to where the kitchen stuff is. Right. And you never know what you're going to find there. Yeah, it's, you can find really cool stuff there. So look what I found there. Oh, a real nice... Uh... All clad. Yeah. It's all clad. Yeah. Yeah. And and I was like, and it was twenty bucks. Oh wow, twenty bucks. See if a magnet sticks to it. That's what it's designed for. Whoa, Induction really? Cooking. Do you know what an all clad pan? You know what that all clad pan costs in stainless steel? It's it's, it's got to be expensive. That's a four hundred dollar pan. I know because yeah, I have that pan in stainless steel. I have two of them. Oh my god! I got a big one and a small one. Yeah, see if you so, can stick a magnet to it. So what's fast? Well, they say that that's what they're for. I'll, I'll look, but yeah. I think that that's what what it was for was to was for an induction cooktop. Okay. And I didn't realize it. I just saw all clad. I saw the price was cheap enough. It was a. It's kind of a uh, Teflon type coating, you know. And I came home and fried an egg in it without any. I washed it, obviously. Yeah. But then I fried an egg in it with no spray on it at all. And it didn't stick, so it's pretty non-stick. Yeah, it's that's those are good pans. Any anything all clad is good. So, so yeah. So go look at go look at Marshalls. You might find one for your induction top. Right. Well, so I, um, basically, ah. I've had to, and this I'll tell you what the last straw was. Okay, I, but I until I get to the last straw, you have to hear from the beginning, right? So the first thing is is that our Farberware pots, you know, the ones that everybody got when they're married won't yep. work on there and i thought they would because they sure as hell look like stainless steel to me but a magnet won't stick to them so i put those in the thing well uh, some of those stainless steel like magnets won't stick to it if there's no i mean true stainless steel doesn't have any iron in it oh well, then that's the problem and that's yeah. the problem because well, uh, because they because no matter i mean what we think of stainless steel is really not. It's some alloy yeah. that's got iron in it. Because yeah. in the knife world, if it doesn't have iron in it, it's... It won't, you, know, you can't gonna, sharpen it. It won't you sharpen can't harden it. it. Um, right. But anyway, so then I tried my Calphalon pans for omelets because I was going to make some eggs. And I was going to make an omelet. Can't. So I, I'm like, okay. So I went and I got a couple <laughs> um, saucepans um, from Allclad, and I have just decided to put the the Farber ones in a box and give them to whatever kid gets married first. Right. Uh, so, so that was insult. Number one, insult. Number two is now I don't have my good omelet pan and the, the straw that broke the camel's back 
was I have that whirly pop. Oh yeah, that won't work. No, and I have the nice one that's that's uh, got copper coating on it, and yeah. I've just I we eat so much popcorn now because we cracked the code, and actually <laughs> we should. I, so Jim Jim got me turned on to the whirly pop, but I'm the one that cracked the code. And I gave yeah. Jim the stuff to do it. So here's it's awesome. So here's the code, right? You can pop whatever popcorn you want in there, but if you want the stuff that you get at like a popcorn shop or at the movie theater, you need to get something called mushroom popcorn. And a bunch of different places supply it. So that's step number one. Step number two is you have to cook with coconut oil and not the white kind, the yellow kind with beta carotene in it. Because that turns it yellow. That's why movie theater popcorn is yellow. And the third thing, and you can get this at Ace Hardware, is uh, Flavacol. F-L-A-V-A-C-O-L. Flavacol. And you put a teaspoon of that in there, and it's the, the it makes it taste right. It's the salt. And uh, so we cracked this popcorn code. I researched it and researched <laughs> it, and I figured it out. I can make you the exact stuff that you'll get in a movie theater and i bought the big movie theater pump for the butter yeah. the right <laughs> stuff the real stuff that they use so i can whenever i'm watching them and i bought movie theater popcorn bags like oh, i got yeah. this whole, awesome. i got this whole damn system worked out and i went to make popcorn <laughs> and the goddamn pan won't work on the goddamn stove so I had to I had to buy another pan and I'm gonna break it in tonight. But it's it's so, not the whirly pop. It's a knockoff and it pisses me so, off. So so what you need to do actually, I think that there is a, I think that there's an adapter that you can drop on the top of your stove. Yeah, probably. And make it, and make it work. Because um, it'll I think heat it's the a, adapter, a, but then exactly. Yeah, it's probably exactly. you could. But anyway, so I've been using my cast iron a lot more. Um, well, so so the other thing you could do would be to, to dig out your Coleman stove. Yeah, but I don't want to cook with that indoors. I'm just going to... I have a... That would, that would irritate the shit out of me. Yeah. Well, okay, so m the rest of my stuff is coming from Illinois, and one of the items in there is a wok burner that's run off of uh, uh, propane. And a wok burner is different than a regular burner because wok burners are... It's like puts out Big so flame. much flame that it like will shoot up the sides of the wok and if you right. want to make it your stuff really really good you need your wok to really really smoke and to stay hot and right. so you have to have a wok burner but i can use that just turn it way down if i want to cook over gas um, and then the other thing is is that since the the induction stove top is flat you can't use a round bottom wok on it right you know, and I and I have these great walks. I have like hand hammered Chinese walks and like ones that I bought when I was in college that are now seasoned for 30 years. You know, so I have these beautiful walks and I can't use them on my stove here. And I, I don't know. I'm declaring war on all so, induction stoves. So that so that stove, mm -hmm. I, apparently the reason they do it is because it's safer, right? Yeah, because, okay, so I, I know somebody that bought um, an induction stove on purpose, okay? And here's the reason he gave. He drinks booze when he's cooking, and a whole bunch of times when he had a guy, he guy had a nice wolf stove that he bought at my recommendation. But a whole bunch of times uh, he would get drunk 
and eat his food and forget that he left his stove on all night. So, mm. so he got rid of his wolf stove and put an induction stove in there because you can leave it on and it's not going to cause any problems. Um, but anyway, so... Or, you know, well, that's even, kind of funny. Yeah, I, even a regular electric stove, if you leave it on all night, it's going to be hot all night. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, and I think a, a regular electric stove, I actually think it's hotter than gas. Well, if you want to boil water fast, those induction stoves will do it for you. Right. I think I think an electric range, um, I mean, I think an absolute, like we used to have a, a ceramic top. Mm-hmm. Uh, deal yeah and we liked it pretty well except gas is obviously better because you have a better much better control of your heat yeah but i but i think as far as it actually heating up faster and getting hotter i think electric stoves are hotter well i I think you can boil water faster the, the person yeah the person that built this house put the best of the best of the best of induction stoves in here and mm-hmm. I tell you what, like, as long as you're comfortable cooking on those and you have the pans that are capable of it, you will get a hot pan and boil water yeah. faster than anything you, you'll ever right. cook on otherwise. Right. Because um, I, don't, I don't think you can, with a gas, with a straight-up gas LP or, a, or even natural gas, I don't think you can get something cherry red. Yeah, I, I've never been able to. You can with my no. wok burner. My walk yeah. burner will do that, but not right. Yeah, but I think just a regular, I think just a regular gas stove. I, I don't think I've ever been well, able to get anything cherry red. Now, I, the electric stove that we had, um, Kathy had gotten a set of uh, I don't know Wolfgang puck things mm-hmm. pans uh, years ago, and they were the ones that had the a stainless steel thing on the bottom, and then it was it was silver soldered to. The, the you know the, so the there was interior, like two separate yeah. pieces yeah and you melted the silver solder <clears throat> exactly yeah exactly and I did that on an electric stove and after I did that I was I was like nah, I'm gonna get a gas stove I can't this is stupid yeah well so but, the reason is is the same reason that a 38 should be able to be more powerful than a nine millimeter but isn't it's because there's a gap there and it's the same thing with gas stoves a lot of that heat just goes up the side of the pan into the atmosphere and doesn't get transferred to the pot pot right but that being said induction stoves are a pain in the ass because i do a hell of a lot more than just boil water on my stove you know right i I am i'm at my wits end with that stupid thing so seriously that that's a safety concern that's why they made those yeah is I mean, because like, it's pretty hot, pretty hot technology, isn't it? Yeah. Because you can take the pan off it, and it's not hot, right? No, the the only thing that will be hot is if there's residual heat in the glass where the pan was, but it's, but that cools off really, really quickly. But if you yeah. just turn the burner on and turn it on high, um, you can put your hand on there, and there's no heat. It's just a magnetic field. Um, unless you unless you got a unless you got a Damascus. Um, ring on your finger right well yeah (laughs) you might be in a little hot water there but anyway so that's the end of that rant um right now on that would be enough is uh i got a pot of red beans and rice cooking oh nice not the rice but the bean part uh and for people who want a a recommendation for videos on how to do that right there's this guy on youtube called charlie andrews uh and he has he's from new orleans 
and he has the best video on red beans and rice, I think. Um, and he's the one that turned me on to pickled pork. Although you can't buy pickled pork up here, so you, you have to make it. And if you go to my YouTube channel, I show how to make that. If you want to make his recipe with pickled pork, um, you can make the pickled pork and it's not a big deal. Um, so I'm having that tonight. Uh, I'm making popcorn chicken for the kids. You know, like the little teeny tiny little nuggets about the size yep. of popcorn that's fried chicken. And mm -hmm. uh, when I was in Detroit, I finally got to try Chicken 65, uh, which is basically a popcorn chicken that they put in this super spicy sauce. It's like the Indian version of Nashville hot chicken. And so <laughs> I'm, I'm making some Chicken 65 for me. Uh, so that's what's on the stove right now. Um, now, now, when you were down, where did you go? You hung out in Dearborn. Yeah, we went to the Ford Museum because I bought a family membership to it. And we wanted nice. to go into the outdoor part this time. Right. Um, and right. they let us walk through there because we're members. But it's closed because every Halloween, um, they have Halloween feasts in there. So right. that you, right. people come in, you can buy tickets, and you can go have a Halloween dinner and trick-or-treat <clears throat> around in there. Um, so we were able to walk through it, but none of the stuff was open. Yeah. So we did that, and so that, then we went for Indian food, and it was yeah. uh, the best Indian food I've ever had. Was was yeah. right there in Detroit. So I I grew up going in that in that museum and Greenfield Village. Yeah, that was my stomping ground until I don't know. I went there all the time. Yeah, we go back there in the all day. The time back now. in the day. Back in the day, we used to get in for free. Mm-hmm. Because because of being Ford employees, my grandfather was a Ford employee, and we would get we would all we would get in free, mm -hmm. and uh, <clears throat> so I have a lot of very fond memories of of that place, um, and the the museum is phenomenal. Yeah, you know you want to know what my favorite part of the indoor museum is. Um, it's either the giant locomotive. I like that. Or or it's the house, the round, the, uh, yeah, the we, modern house. Yeah, I like house. that too. Yeah, so there's a, a house in there called the Dyna something or other house that's round and aluminum. That's really cool. Um, that was a cool concept, and they won't let you walk through the house, but I'd love to walk through it. You can walk around the outside and see in. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's cool, but the part that I like, there's two parts that I like even better. John F. Kennedy's car? Yeah, I like that. I actually like <laughs> Reagan's better. Yeah. Uh, Do you like? Uh, 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 let me think. Would it be? Would it be Abraham Lincoln's chair from from the Ford Theater? I I didn't. I don't think they have that displayed right now. And if they did, I missed it. Huh. Because they well, change. Like even from. Yeah, we, they change it. Yeah, they change we were it there six months ago, and even from then to now, a bunch <clears throat> of new exhibits are open. Like for instance, they have a. Uh, one of those Ford GTs that they re-released, they have one of those cut in half so that you can see what the insides of everything is. And that was cool. <laughs> and that wasn't there last time. But then, uh, so there's there's three things I really like besides the things you've already mentioned, which are still worth going for, even just for those, okay? Right. Thing number one is they have George Washington's camping gear there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. and I took a bunch of pictures, and I even bought some really high-end, um, hard-to-find antique tools to be able to do that tin work. 
I just don't. So I have all the tools to do it. I just don't have the shop space to do it in right now, but I'm going to remedy that eventually. Um, the th another thing I like there is I like the Wiener Mobile. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, another cool thing is they have like, what's the best chair? Um, thing and then they have examples from furniture from the different decades. Okay. Oh yeah. Yep. I if you walk through my house, a whole bunch of the stuff that I have that was handed down through the generations, you can see the exact thing that's in my house in the Ford Museum. Yep. And a whole yep. a whole bunch of it. And actually, the two things that I thought were really cool about that are the chair that I'm currently sitting in is in there. It's the Aeron or something office chair that uh is they're just awesome i bought mine for three hundred dollars from an office that was closing and they're like twelve to fourteen hundred dollars now mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. i have two of those chairs that i like and then there's another chair that my dad had in the 80s that's like it's got the curved wood bottom and back and all that and leather chair so that's in there and then uh let's see what else was it oh um your decade uh <laughs> And uh, the, they have, like, the 1980s teenager room. And, like, mm -hmm. literally everything in there I had. Yeah. Or the 1980s kids room. Like, all of that stuff. And Jim's trying to show me a t-shirt. <laughs> uh, see it? Yeah, I see it. Um, so the, so the, uh, the, the stuff that's in there is fascinating to me. And it always has been. And, and I loved... The fact that Henry Ford loved to go camping. Yeah, Power and, Island. And his, and his camping setup is... Oh, he used to go all over the place. But his his camping setup is uh, is amazing to me. Um, and if you... if I don't think it's anybody, out right now, though. Yeah, well, and it, like I said, it comes and goes. It, it goes in and out. Yeah. Um, but that, that was... Uh, that was a phenomenal display, and they they usually like last time we were down there, they had a complete the camping section was all out, so they had all these campers that were made in the forties and the thirties, mm -hmm. and all the way up through modern times. And if you if you think about how they used to do that stuff back then, I mean, you could just imagine how heavy our cars were when they were towing a camper that was 35 feet long or 40 feet long. <laughs> yeah. And it was being towed by a car, a station wagon. Yeah. You know, like a, like a, a whatever, you know. And you think about cars back then, you think about modern cars now, and it's completely, completely different ball game. I mean, you can't even pull campers like that anymore around the road. I mean, cars wouldn't have the oomph to it. Yeah. You, know, you have to get a truck. truck. You get a one-ton truck to do it. But you know what? In 1942, 1941, 1940, those cars were like one-ton trucks. <laughs> yeah, you know, they, they made them those, right. Pull those, pull those things down the road, but they didn't yeah, have. I don't a, know. I, they were geared more for low end rather than top yeah. end. Yeah. Yep. Yep. They would pull them down the road 55. But even like a like um, the one display that I saw recently with Henry Ford's camping gear was a Model A. Mm. That he towed a trailer. Wow, that's cool. And the trailer, the trailer was not a not what we think of as a, it wasn't a camping trailer. It was it was his 
like his chuck wagon with his tent and all that. So this whole trailer had all his stuff in it. That's cool. And of course, they had all wooden trunks and that kind of. It yeah. was very cool. I very 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 cool. My uh, my grandpa took um, the family, his family, to the World's Fair, and they had like a kitchen mess thing. Uh, yep. Like a it, it's like a wooden thing that has drawers in it that, and everything and storage. It's like a a big wooden trunk that you can pick up and move around and. Uh, I don't have the original trunk. I think my aunt has it, but I took that original trunk and made an exact copy of it. So I have that exact copy, and that thing just by itself is probably fifty pounds. Right. Like. Right. But it's it's yeah, but, cool. You know, stuff like that is really cool. I have my a mess kit from World's Fair. Well, I know when uh, when he went camping, it was they were talking about what went with him. Mm-hmm. And it was a whole bunch of servants and oh yeah, people you know, porters, cooks yeah. and porters and all that stuff, which was interesting, very interesting. Well, you can afford it. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. like on Yellowstone, uh, one of the coolest parts is where they went and had to do the summer camp, and they had like oh, wall yeah. tents. John yep. Dutton didn't pick anything up. He, yep. he he wanted to move up to the top of the hill because he couldn't get cell reception up there. And people kept bothering him where they were camped. So he walked up the hill, and he he yelled down to the cowboys, "I want everything moved up to here, all the tents. <laughs> I want the fire. I want everything up here." And like it just happened, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like that's bad as camping right there. That's like yeah. when I play drums. Speaking of which, I'm um, doing a week's worth of shows at Zenders coming up here. Oh, when? Uh, the, give, give me dates. Uh, November. Uh, it's the first week in December, so it's November. You can go on the Zenders website, and they still have a few tickets left. It's November uh, 29th, 30th, December 1st, and 2nd. There's dinner and lunch shows each of those four days, and they're probably going to add Friday because the last time I checked, they were pertinent sold out. You know what you need to do? Uh, before your kids get too old, you need to do this, and... Uh, is the um, oh what the hell is it called? There's a train. What's the what's the kid's story about uh, Thomas, the train? Thomas tank engine. No 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 the the Christmas story about the train. Oh yeah the the Polar Express. Polar Express. Yeah he comes up here. There's a Polar Express uh, trip that you can take and it's down Lansing area yeah, somewhere. Yeah I'll have to around there. I'll have to maybe we can it, get tickets to that this year. Yeah, that like would be that, fun. Yeah. I always wanted to take my grandkids there. So Polar Express, that's it. Yeah, I we we had a, somebody we knew went on that, and I think it. We were gonna do it one year, but we ran out of time or something. I'll I'll see if I can get into that this year. I just made myself a note. Um, let's see. Okay, so if we were going to do one topic, because I've got a bunch that we could rant about, but 
Um, let's do let's do user questions first, or listener questions. So let me find it. Uh, let's see. So we only got like somebody wants to hear about my Haiti trip. Um, I don't feel like talking about it right now, but I'm sure other stuff will come up as anecdotes here and there. Okay, so John wants to know about MagnaCut steel. Mm. Uh, what do you know about this steel? I I haven't used it. I looked it up, but it seems like it's a more it's a different take on S30V steel. Um, I I don't know enough about metallurgy to comment um, intelligently about why they think that works or what's going on with it, and I haven't used it, so I really don't have much to say about it. Um, do you know anything about it just off the top of your uh, head? Uh, or No, well, no. Yeah, so it, I, I it mean, seems I... Like, it seems like that's part of the... That's part of the thing to keep people... Chasing keep new Keep everybody's steel. attention. Yeah. You know, and... It, and Good, bad, or indifferent. I mean, I'm not a fan of all of this new stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm just not. It just, I'm, I'm not seeing, it's like the law of diminishing returns. Yeah. You know, are you really getting something that's that much better? Yeah. I mean, we made it, we made it from the, from the, the, uh, the Bronze Age until 19, until what, 1990 or 1980? Uh, 1980, all of, 1980, 1959, 154CM came out. 1983, right, yeah, S60V came out. But they weren't making knives out of that. They were making industrial tools out of that. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then the occasional millwright brought some of that home and made a knife with it. Yeah. Because back then, custom knife makers were, they, they were not doing that for a living. They were... They were working somewhere as a as a uh, as a machinist, yeah. Usually, and they made a pocket knife out of it. I mean, that's how Stellite became uh, a thing. Yeah, was because that, because it was a company that was making uh, cutters out of Stellite, and I don't even think it was called Stellite back then. But so a lot of these tool, a lot of this stuff was designed for a specific job in an industrial setting and does it make a great knife yeah oh yeah it makes a great knife Mm -hmm. does it make something that's so much greater than a high carbon steel no not not that much greater right it's it's better it's definitely better all of those are better i'm gonna single one of them out and say it's better than this one or that one or the other all of them are better Mm mm-hmm but not that much better, right? So not 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 so much that I've got to get rid of everything in my kit and and replace it all with this new steel. Yeah, yeah. You know. Well, and so so here, as, as I mean, I, as, I don't want to continue. I don't. I would not want to continue to buy all of these latest and greatest knives retail, and then next year sell them all as used knives, or even if new but never use knives just to get mm-hmm. the next latest and greatest so that I can't use so I won't use that one too right I yeah. won't use those also so so the, the only thing I would say from my perspective um, so I I use 
four steels. Um, I use 1095, uh, but, but there's very few of my knives that are made out of 1095. Um, the Versteg Bowies were, God, what was that stuff? It wasn't 1095, it was 5160, I think. Mm -hmm. So high carbon steels. Um, my favorite steel to work with is 01 Tool Steel. And I got turned mm -hmm. on to that by um, uh, Todd Hunt, TM Hunt, mm -hmm. and uh, Corey um, Murphy. Murphy. Uh, so those two turned me on to that steel. And I, I to this day, I use the exact um, process for hardening that I got from TM Hunt. So those are my two favorites. The only other, the only stainless I've ever worked with was re, it was released in 2009, and it's S35VN. Mm -hmm. And I like that steel. It does, um, from what I can tell, have better edge retaining capabilities, but it is much much harder to work with um, once it's been hardened. Mm -hmm. So putting the final edge on and things like that, it tends to facet. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas 01 tool steel is like butterier, for lack yeah. of a better term, and it, it so, molds a little bit more. So, but I, I have made um, some, if somebody wants something stainless, like for a kitchen knife or something like that, I use S35VN. Um, but again, the stuff I make, you can't put in the dishwasher. Right. You know, and you're still going to have to take care of it. But if you want an uh, edge to hold a long time, the, the kitchen knives that I've made out of that, I, I made like three or four years ago and they're the guys I, I keep sending messages, hey, do you need that sharpened? They're like, No, I can still shave with it. You know? Right. So those are my so, only and the only oh there's one other steel I use real quickly and it's W two and and the yeah. only reason I ever use W two is if I want to put a hormone line on something. And that's it. Yeah. Those are the only steels I use. And MagnaCut seems I don't know, like if they want to send me a sample and tell me how to heat treat it, I'll make a knife out of it. Um, but I can't imagine it's like hugely different and hugely better than S35 VN. Right. But I don't well, know. Well, that, and that's my, and that's my point. It's always, it's always about chasing the next, the next fad. Right. I mean, in all fairness, you're going to make a knife. Some custom maker is going to make a knife. It's going to, he's going to sell it for a thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. And that knife is going to go into a drawer and not get used or carried. So nobody's really going to know if it's anything other than what the maker said it is. Not that, to, yeah. But he could have made it out of anything that's not going to rust. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter. It's never going to get used anyways. Yeah, and there's a lot of that that goes on, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so and so it doesn't. Uh, everybody that's claiming all of this stuff about these new steels. Most of them have never put a knife in a position that it would have actually dulled it. Yeah. So the only the only knives of mine I know that are used for sure daily are those kitchen knives, uh, and that's S35VN, and those are still sharp as hell. So yeah. I, I see no reason why I would change because I've got the heat treat down, uh, and I've had really, really good success so far with that steel as as daily users other than that like i i i 100 take your point you know people buy these super steels and they never use them they won't even open a box with them because they're afraid of decreasing right. the value of their knife right 
Um, and so that's the only that's the only and I'm not like I said I'm not sure that it's worth a. But I guess if this is your hobby and this is what you need to talk about, I suppose that that's yeah it's it's that's neat. How, it's that how you keep people interested in it. I you know it's no it's no different than the guy that's collecting watches, or you know, you know cigar it, smokers that. Are, you know the hot new cigar and all this. Right. You know, I the best cigar I ever had is a uh, Ashton Churchill. Mm-hmm. I used to be able to buy those for three dollars and ten cents. Now I even mm-hmm. try to find one. You know, and mm-hmm. I would. I've had them here and there. Every once in a while, I'll get one. But like, I put that up against anything. And if you ask like some cigar nut, they're going to tell you it's absolute garbage. Mm-hmm. Um. But anyway, he asks one question about a company that he doesn't like that I'm not going to answer. And then he asks us to have an American manufacturing rant. And I think that a good thing to talk about is what is wrong with the supply chain and more specifically, why are the ships backed up in California? And I I have some theories to that, but I kind of want to hear why you think the ships are backed up in California. I, I think the thing in California is pretty straightforward. Um, the California Pat was it California that passed? I think California passed a law that said there will be no independence. Yeah, that, that's in the in in the harbor. That's one part of it. Um, you can't be an owner operator anymore. Right, because that used so that to... used to be a pressure relief valve. Um, when the when the big unionized trucking companies were too busy to pull the stuff out of the ports, then the uh, owner operators would take the steam off because they'd have to raise the rates, and then owner operators right. would come in and keep it unloaded. So that's one part. Right, I think there's one other part, and I want to see if you agree. I think the second part would be. Um, I hate to say that that they don't want to, but I think that I think the unions and the and the longshoremen are intentionally not working very hard at it for whatever reason that they might have. But I don't know that to be fact. That's just speculation. I, I don't know. Okay. I, I would think that I would think the trucking. I would think the the lack of trucks in the area might be an issue because I heard that they're. Uh, they're unloading these um, these big boxes, and they're actually running them up and down the street right now because they got no room for them in the in the yard. Yeah. So then here's another one, another part of it, and it has to do with a law. California introduced a law that you can't use a truck older than like 2011. And so there's that. When, once they re- release that law, you have all these people, all these trucking companies that have older fleets that are running just fine. And in order to drive their truck into California, they'd have to buy all new trucks, and they're just not willing to do it. Right. So I think I think that's part of it. I think the another part of it would be that. And I and I did hear that also because a lot of these trucks, you know, they're a couple three four hundred thousand dollar trucks. Yeah. Or these big over the road rigs, and they go through them and rebuild them. Yeah, you'll they you know, rebuild they have them a after like, aluminum. Yeah, we Snowman had know better about this, but I know those diesel engines will go five hundred thousand miles before they have right. to do anything to them, and they're they're almost right. never shut off. You know, they almost well, never shut the be, engine off. Just think what it's going to be like when they say you can't have a a diesel engine in the in the in the state. Yeah, 
Or well, you can't they, have a gas yeah, engine in the state. Yeah, they've already said that they're going to only only allow you to use electric. So what's going to happen is because they don't have the range, they're going to and plus they're he heavy as hell because the batteries to power those are heavy as fuck. Number one, it's going to beat the shit out of their roads because now the trucks are heavier. But then the other thing is, they're going to drive an electric truck to pick up the goods in California, drive it over to Nevada, unload it to a real truck. <laughs> you know, so there's going to be a whole nother delay in the process, unloading from one truck and loading it into another needlessly. Um, so that's, I, I think it, that's, that's the legal reason why some of this is happening. The other thing I think is going on is that during the pandemic, everything shut down. I remember driving yeah. from Traverse City all the way down through the state of Michigan, through Grand Rapids, all the way through Chicago and then up into northern Illinois, and I maybe saw half a dozen cars and no trucks. Yeah. This is right yeah. in the thick of the pandemic when everybody was locked down. Uh, and there was this huge drop-off in demand for just about everything except for home improvement stuff, which absolutely fucked the price of lumber. Um, but I hear that's normalizing now. But right. like consumer goods just went away during right. the pandemic and so there was uh, there's uh, the demand just went away and so a lot of these companies had to adjust their workforce and this and that and blah 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 and now now that there's stuff is opened back up people have all this money and are willing to buy stuff again but the companies just aren't in a position now see i'll go i'll go one step further than go that. ahead and i'll say so um over the past 35, 40 years that our economy has been moving to a just-in-time economy. So everything is based on, I don't want to have anything in stock. I want to sell my inventory by the end of the week, the end of the month, the end yeah, of the day, whatever it time, is. Yeah. And so everything is just-in-time. So literally you could get a, like a doctorate degree in just-in-time logistics. Right. So, so you... Uh, and, and when I say that, they have exactly the right amount of trucks, exactly the right amount of drivers, exactly the right amount of machine operators, exactly the right amount of forklift operators, exactly, and everything is ex to, the, to the penny, exactly what they need for that week, month, or whatever, that item can be resupplied. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's so fine-tuned, it's not even funny. Yeah. So then you take that and shut that down for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. The demand never went away for any of that stuff. Well, it's just that but, they shut the supply off for a year and a half right, and for then, everything. Yeah, and then people also, the economy did did tank during that. Because right. you, right. you weren't, it, it was a combination of you weren't able to buy anything and right. I would say people not buying anything. Right. So so you have So you have that going on. Then you have, it turns it back on. Well, guess what? We don't have as many truck drivers and and trucks and uh, uh, machines to make up that year and a half demand. Yeah, because they had to fire everyone or people, or they had yeah, to you exactly. know, retire everyone so, and, and, and try to find a truck driver under the age of 40. They're just not exactly. going into well, it. People just aren't going and, into it. And guess what? Guess what else you add to the mix? Hmm. You had the fact that 
mar- recreational marijuana is now legal in a dozen states or whatever it is around the country. <laughs> yeah, and they're all. And, and guess weed. what? And guess what you have to do to drive a big truck? You have to be yeah, drug you free. Have to pass a drug test. Yeah. You have to pass a drug test, and guess what happens? They can't. Yeah. So not so you add, you throw that into the into the mix, and that just totally upends everything. Yeah. So guess what, people? Start saving your bacon grease and washing your tin foil. Yeah, right. So, um, ah. gosh, I had a point when and you you're, were and you're all about... going to be making Chris. You're going to all be making Christmas presents this year. Yeah. <laughs> you were talking. We were talking. You were talking about just in time and how it how it tunes immediately. Okay. There's there's a reason that is government driven that we have just in time inventory. And I learned about this because. Um, you know, I, oh, it's tax on your inventory. Right, yeah. So, And the only reason I even knew that that was a thing is that uh, I had a friend that owned a music store. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, hey, do you want this set of drums? And it was like this really high-end, really nice set of drums that he had in his shop that I'd had my eye on, but it was too expensive. And I'm like, well, yeah, but it's too much money. you know. And if I bought it, I wouldn't play it because it's you know, it's too much money to have sitting up in cases in my car or dragging around from place to place. And he's like, yeah, but I'll give you a deal. And he told me what it was. And it was like, it was a stupid deal on how good it was. And he was, he was giving it to me for his cost. And I'm like, dude, why are you doing this? Why would you ever give this to me at cost? You've had this sitting in your store, taking up room and you had to put the money out and you I'm sure you have a business loan and you just lost money on that because you had to service that loan and he's like yeah but if I keep it here past tomorrow the government's going to tax me on it so one of the reasons you have just in time uh trucking and uh supply supply chain is because if you have stuff left over at the end of the year you're going to take a tax hit on it and you'll lose even more money so Isn't that crazy yeah but that's I mean that it's it's not like people it's not like american consumers were like selfish and said i want just in time shipping you know right. i don't want the store well, to ever no. have anything in it unless it just got there today like right. nobody cares as long as they go to the store and it's there they don't care how long it's been there unless it's food right you know right. Right. but the store owners care about government policies that will right. absolutely rape them at the end of the year well and that's the that's the whole thing about removing about being free I mean, we're absolutely no longer a free society because of that kind of crap. Because what what by by putting a tax on, well, I mean, just think about how many times you're paying taxes a day. Yeah. I mean, your income tax is taxed, obviously. Yeah. Everything that you buy is taxed. I mean, what what what's not taxed? The food? No, it is. Depending on the state, Iowa they don't tax food. I think they do in Michigan. I know they no. do in Illinois. Unless unless it's cooked. Unless oh, yeah. it's cooked like and you if can you consume buy your it. sandwich or whatever there. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, but certain states tax everything. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Plus you got the tax you're paying on your car when you buy it. The tax you pay on your... I mean, the the, the tax you got to pay every year to drive it on the road. Yeah. Uh, it's And then... I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the whole thing is, is, is just a... It's like a it's like a giant Ponzi scheme. Yeah. So I uh, I'd heard everyone else make the points about the 2011 trucks and the the dip in demand and the you know 
and also about the owner operators thing. I'd never heard anybody link it to just in time and why we have just in time. Yeah. No, I have never heard that argument made or seen it made anywhere. And somebody may have made it, but you know, this is why you listen to the Knife Journal podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and and I've been saying, uh, you know, something that um, I had friends of mine that worked in the manufacturing industries for a long time, and and they would tell me stories about what what their plant was doing. So, like Ford Motor Company, let's say, needed uh, hood hinges, a certain kind of hood hinge. Yeah. So. This company was making hood hinges. You know, they had the presses and the stamps and all that crap. And guys put it together and 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 just it was piecework. Yeah. All these, you know, these guys are making. Yeah, and that's uh, all over Michigan. Like you'll be yeah, driving a down lot. a road in the country and there'll be a machine shop there, and they make yep. the oil yep. pans for the Corvettes. Right. Exactly. So so what they do is they say, okay, you're coming up on your deadline. Um. Because they don't do it by necessarily by pieces. Mm-hmm. They might say, uh, you know, instead of saying, make me 10,000 of these, they say, we want you to make these as much as you can make until this. And they, but they won't tell you the date. Yeah. They'll just tell you that it's going to come. It's going to end, you know, in a month, let's say. Yeah. So so the so the the month they're going to the the time that they're going to discontinue making these up until that time. They go into overtime. They go into double time. They don't. They make as many of them as they can, up until that hour that drops. They say you can't make any more after this, and they shut the machine off. Yeah, and then you got to retool. And then, and then the company's got to retool to make something else. Yeah. Well, they do that so that because they know that you know now they're going to be shut down for a period of time. They needed some, and so GM will buy all that product, Boop. Mm-hmm. and anything they make. Over a certain number, they pay less for it or whatever. I mean, there's a way that they figure it out, and it and and so all these manufacturers are are like that, mm-hmm. especially in the auto industry. They're real big in the auto industry for that kind of stuff. So um, because they don't want parts sitting around. Now, let's say for example, you have a 2000 something Dodge uh, Dakota, and well, not a Dakota. Some, and you some need a car. part. Yeah. And you need a part. And it's it's a 2006. You know what the possibility of you finding that part is? Not an OEM. You won't find an OEM not a, part. Not an OEM part because they, discont- they stopped. As soon as that supply is gone, they send the balance out to the dealers. And when those are gone, they're gone. Yeah, so then, then there's aftermarket parts for it. But well, they're made hope- out of fucking pot metal. But you hope there is. Yeah. There might not be. I mean, what if it's a weird, a weird ass part? Yeah, but mo- most stuff you, know? you can get parts for. It's just not OEM. So a story about yeah. that. You know, my uh, car when I was out in Wyoming, a truck threw a rock and chipped the window shield. So oh. I had to. I called Safe Flight and they fixed it. Um, and there was a little blurriness there, but then like a few days later, it developed into a big crack. Right. And I was, uh, and so I called this place to get my windshield replaced here locally. And they tried to talk me into not using an OEM part. And I'm like, no, I want the OEM part. And they're like, yeah, but you have like a really rare car and it's going to take us like three months to six months to get it. And I'm like, I don't care. The windshield's not going to get any more broken. I want the OEM part. And they're like, okay, well, 
we'll order it. And I'm like, okay, order it. I, I, I'm telling you, I have to get the windshield replaced and I'll use your company, but uh, I'm not going to put anything but an OEM part in there because it'll decrease the value of the car. I have a collector's car and I, right. I don't want it to not have OEM parts on it. And they're like, okay, four days later, they had the OEM part. You know, ah. but a lot of these companies make their money by not using OEM parts and charging the right. same amount of money. But I, right. Right. when when I and I picked it up yesterday and I went and looked at it and it's I made sure it was an OEM part before I uh, paid for it and it was um, and they did a fantastic job. Uh, it's classic ga glass in uh, Portage, uh, Michigan. They're a great company and. It's a husband and wife. They've been in business 45 years, and uh, we sat in the shop for an hour talking with the wife about stuff in Michigan. And uh, so, classic glass. If if you're in the you know Kalamazoo area and you need a windshield replaced or anything, they they they'll do your weird car. Like there was an R8 in the shop, Audi R8, um, BMWs, Mercedes, everything is in there, and they'll do it. Um, but you got to insist on the OEM part. Uh, so, so the other thing that's kind of fascinating about the about the supply chain issues that we're having, uh -huh. if you'll notice, it's not necessarily in the day to day items that you use. Yeah, it's in a lot of other stuff that's coming from China. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, clothing. Um, all, I mean, all the apparel and stuff. Try to buy a pair of socks. It's difficult right now. Um, but you won't have a lot of problems finding domestic items. Yeah, American-made stuff. Like like hot dogs or yeah. any food items that are made locally or um, or even stuff coming from Mexico. I mean, I... Uh, yeah, Mexico is cooking you know, with gas right now. Yeah, there's a, there's a, lot, of, uh, a lot of food items that come from Mexico. And um, now some people are say, claiming... That, yeah, some people are claiming that we're having problems getting produce and lettuce and that kind of stuff and um i don't i'm not sure that that's factual i mean we, i i think it's yeah. bs that's bs because i can go into any store and the produce section is absolutely stuffed right like meyer right, here right. is like ridiculous you can find weird shit in there fresh right you know and uh so i so i'm not sure i mean but i think what they're having problems with is stuff that we don't really need yeah. I mean, the reality of it is we don't really need more toys. No. We don't really need more clothes. We don't really need more Chinese food or Chinese uh, uh, shoes. Right. And if you have an iPhone 10, do you really need to buy the iPhone 13? Exactly. Do you really need that? Like. Exactly. So my, my phones go until they break. <laughs> so, so, so literally, I just changed the battery on my wife's. 2013 MacBook Pro or MacBook Air. Mm -hmm. I just ordered a battery for my MacBook Pro. Mm -hmm. That's a 2000. I think it's a 2012. What is it? 2012. Yeah, that's about when you bought it because you made the switch from Microsoft to Apple stuff right around then. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and it's still going strong. I've got uh, two. <laughs> I've got five. Seven, seven and a half terabytes of, of storage mm -hmm. on, on this thing. God. So, you know, 
And it's just a it's just a laptop. Yeah. Uh, so um, the where, I mean, obviously, it's not like yours that you can play all your gaming stuff on it. Right. I have a recommend. I've been trying to get Jim to play this game, but he doesn't have the capability of doing it. It's Red Dead Redemption Two. That game was made for you because we've had this discussion before. You wanted to be born in the late 1800s instead of now, and oh, yeah. you can live. It, it, it's so engrossing and so like it's just it, awesome you would absolutely love that game and I highly recommend that to any of our listeners Red Dead Redemption yep 2 Red uh, Dead Redemption uh, 2 um, and I've got a live stream channel that I I'm doing a playthrough of that game on I don't put that stuff on my regular channel because uh, it pisses people off so <laughs> they they want me to make videos about guns and knives and shit on my regular channel. So so this is kind of off topic a little bit. Talking about YouTube and Google and uh, uh, Roku. If you a lot of people you know have started instead of having the regular cable, you know they're they're just having their smart TV hook up to you know whatever, and they're buying a streaming service such as YouTube TV or Roku or yeah. Or Hulu, or yeah. well, now apparently, and, and apparently Roku is a big entity in this organ, you know, in this thing that's happening. Well, apparently they're in a they're in a pissing match right now with Google, who owns YouTube TV mm -hmm. and and YouTube, and apparently they're they're saying that if you've got a Roku TV, you're not going to be able to get. Uh, the YouTube app and the YouTube TV app yeah. and something else on in their channel settings. I mean, it's 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 funny how it's like a little bit of power, and all of a sudden they're not gonna squash everybody like bugs. Yeah. Well, but I was surprised at that. I mean, it's just that battle. It seems to be underlying in everything. Yep. So we're coming up on two hours. I'm about done. Got any other hot topics that aren't too in depth? No, I gotta go cut wood. Yeah, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta finish my beans. So finish your beans. Yeah, my red beans for my dinner tonight. All right. So I did just get a notice that uh, Spotify, the they're they're up. Okay. All of them are up so on Spotify up right running. now. So okay. Yep. Yep. So with that, go make your day meaningful, and. Uh, Keep your knives sharp and your friends sharper. Have a great day. Bye. Bye-bye.